Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to another version of Bill Roden on Sports. We're here at our usual undisclosed location in Midtown Manhattan. And uh, we've got a great show. I'm sure everybody's like salivating because of the NBA draft. Uh, we got a great guest, special guest, um, the great Scotty Thurman. Uh, Scotty Thurman, um, many of you remember, he was an Arkansas Razorback. Glory days. In the glory, yeah, the glory days of the Arkansas Razorbacks. Uh, led them to uh, a national championship, 1994, 1994. And to show you how old I was courtside, I was with the New York Times then. Uh, they were uh, playing Duke in the national championship game, and it was a hell of a game, a hell of a game. And uh, Scotty basically essentially broke their hearts. He broke a lot of hearts because he hit a, a killer. It was a three-point? Three-point shot. A killer three-point shot. And all I remember is you, you just told me it was what's that closing on you? Antonio Lane. Antonio Lane. I just remember the, the look on Antonio Lane's face. <laughs> the look of just, just the desolation. <laughs> that is too late. <laughs> too late. And uh, anyway, hey, Scotty, thank you so much for being here. Oh, man. man, thank you guys for having me. Yeah, no yeah. But uh, since then, you, you, we're going to get into your journey. Um, you know, but uh, you, you, you've been on the bench. You were your assistant coach. Uh, well, you were assistant coach at Arkansas. Uh, for three years, correct. But you were at Arkansas for nine years, correct. Uh, you were teaching. You were doing a uh, color. You were a color analyst. Um, uh, you were teaching, mentoring, um, trying to advise guys. In fact, the story that I, I think I did a, a column with you, maybe one of the last columns at the yeah, time, about two years ago. About two yeah. years ago, and you were just talking about who was a brother Portis. Yeah, Bobby Portis. Portis. Yep. Portis. And you were actually, and we'll kind of get everybody involved, but you were. You were trying to tell them to make to, to avoid making some of the mistakes right. that you made. Just give a little snapshot. Um, after that, after you were a sophomore at Arkansas, right? Junior. When you, I was, when I was you hit the, that shot? I was a sophomore when I hit the shot. Yeah, yeah you were a sophomore yeah. when you hit the shot. You came back. Right. Right. And then you decided to leave early. Correct. Somebody had told you at the time, you could tell the story, but right. somebody told you right. that it was time for you to, right. that you should go. Right. And why don't you take us through everything that? Whoa, 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 before we do that, I'm here with my great co-host. So we, we get as, as always, yeah. you don't even have to introduce us. Yeah, yeah. no, but I will. This <laughs> <laughs> protocol. Okay. okay, okay. Uh, the great Jamal Murphy. Murph. Good to be here. Good to be here. Right. Yeah. And then across from me again, the great Nabate Isle. Pleasure to be here. Pleasure, right. especially with Scotty, yeah. legend. See now, what about me, man? Let me let me tell you this now. So what you don't know about what you don't know about uh, Nabate, he is a world class uh, trumpet player. Okay, a yep. great trumpet player. I just saw him last week playing with uh, Christian McBride at Dizzy's Club, Coca Cola. So when I'm saying great, I mean he actually gets paid for this shit. <laughs> he gets paid. For right. No, no, Nabate is great. He's actually a great trumpet player, but who who also is a trivia. I mean he loves sports, so it's kind of a Thing too. Did you have a lot of? Did you have a lot of friends? I we always talk about here how there's such a um, symbiotic relationship between musicians and athletes. I'm not sure what it is, but when you were playing, did you have relationships with uh, musicians 
the way guys do now, like with Drake. Like, <laughs> no, no, tell me, well, no, no, would knock that well, guy. Well, out not to that you. level, uh, <laughs> but definitely. I actually, I played the tuba uh, oh, growing man. up. Yeah, yeah so uh, brass, brass instrument, yeah, fellow brass. Yeah, so back, you know, back in my day, you know, you had to be versatile. You couldn't just play sports. Uh, you know, my parents were very, very big on education, and they wanted to make sure that I was well-rounded in everything. So I was forced to do a little bit of everything. I played sports, but obviously, you had to knock the books out. But they encouraged me to be involved in a lot of extracurricular activities as well. So even most of my friends now, they didn't play sports. Mm. And my dad was real big on making sure that I surrounded myself with people that did something other than just what I did. Huh. Now, where you grew up where? Ruston, Louisiana. That's what, wow. Mm. Wow. James Harris kind of territory. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. James, James Harris. Harris. Wow. Yep. How come you didn't go to Grambling, Scotty? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Southern. You could have you changed the whole HBC yeah. game. Yeah. 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 We're going to beat up on Scotty. Could have made the tournament. Think what history would have been changed, Scotty. Yeah, you're probably right. A lot of different ways. <laughs> you know, the crazy thing about it was, you know, I grew up two miles down the street from Grambling, so I spent a lot of time on that wow. campus. You know, when you become so familiar with something, you kind of want to get away from it. So, mm-hmm. you know, between Grambling, I grew up in Ruston where Louisiana Tech is, and then you have Grambling right up the street. So for me, I just never really wanted to stay in Louisiana. I always viewed it as a football state. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to go somewhere where basketball was king. And Malone, you looked up to Malone, right? Call Malone. Yeah, I was a ball boy there when he was when he was playing. Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, Did he try to recruit you? Nah. Well, <laughs> well, they did, but, you know, my high school was, like, walking distance, like maybe 100 yards from Tech's campus. Wow. Okay. So I spent a lot of time on their campus as a youngster. A lot of my friends played there, football, basketball, and other sports, and I just never, like I said, never really wanted to stay at home. Mm-hmm. And they knew you were too good, so they ain't recruited you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, they, they went to the NCAA tournament mm-hmm. every year except my senior year of high school. So, I mean, they had a good program. Uh-huh. It, uh, they had Tommy Joe Eagles as a coach mm-hmm. back then, and then I think Jerry Lloyd took over. And for me, though, I just, you know, it just wasn't the right fit. So so you're here in the studio with your wife, uh, Regine. Regina, yep. Regina. And your daughter, Romani. Correct. Who's a sprinter. Right? Yep. I said a sprinter. Uh-oh. So when it gets to, have, have you been, knowing that what you know about how this system works, you know, uh, have you been talking about it, about just how, about, I know she's a track, but that may be different. Right. But maybe it's not different. Have you been kind of talking about it? Actually, she she plays track. I mean, she runs track and she plays volleyball. And, uh, you know, in volleyball, they kind of started recruit. They recruit kids a little earlier Mm. uh, than it is in basketball. You know, us, if we go watch an eighth grader, you know, we may not really go after him because he's an eighth grader. You know, you're like, is he going to grow some more? Is he, you know, is he going to get better? Where in volleyball, you know, they kind of look at these young ladies early, uh, eighth, ninth, tenth grade. So for her, I've just been explaining to her that normally the school choice you make is not going to be based off just the playing part of it. It's going to be based off of how comfortable you are with the coaching staff, uh, proximity in terms of your family, if they can come to games or not. Um, so it'll be a lot of other factors. And, you know, that's the thing I try to tell her, like offers are offers, but they don't mean anything until you sign the dotted line for that education. Right. And then even once you get there, it's really a job. You know, they mm-hmm. don't tell you that part of it, but it's a job. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's why a lot of student athletes now, are, you hear the grumblings about athletes wanting to be paid and whatnot because, mm-hmm. I mean, they are working. It is a job. When, when did you find out it was a job? From day one. From day one. I mean, you know, the guy I played for was very demanding. So, you know, our off-season regimen was, was huge. There were certain expectations that were placed on you. You know, even when you thought you had your own time, it wasn't your time. <laughs> right. I, that's, that's why the NCAA, I think, now is mandating, right. you know, time restrictions and things like that. So, you know, I knew that from day one it was a job. And then playing at Arkansas, there's no professional sports. So mm-hmm. everybody's watching everything you that's do. Right. 
Um, so I knew kind of at an early age that you know, that was that was a big deal. But was it a situation where, like, you know, the day before you got on campus, you didn't know, and then you knew, or you knew that, did you even know that in high school? In high school, I really didn't. Um, not until I got an opportunity to go back and play in the Louisiana High School All-Star Game, and Coach Rissen was the speaker uh, for all of the coaches there. And I saw really how intense he was. You know, it's one thing being recruited. You know, you're pleasant, pats on the back, you love you. And then you got a chance to see how he really was, how intense he was. And I was like, man, I don't know what I signed up for. And the charmer, too, charming yeah. your parents. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> so then once I got uh, to campus, you know, and saw kind of how he was on a day-to-day basis, that's when I knew, hey, this is this is for real. Now, right. Co- Coach Richardson, like, um, you know, the 40 minutes of hell, you know, full court, nonstop. How did that prepare you for life, you know, being not just physically in shape but mentally tough? Yeah. You know, how did Coach Richardson prepare you psychologically? Well, I think the, from the mental aspect, how demanding he was. Mm-hmm. You know, he always preached that you're only good as your last game, you know, so you wanted to come out and prepare each and every every day. So, like, even now, every day I try to wake up and prepare my day. I don't just get up and start moving around and doing things. I try to have a plan in place. And then the other part of it, I think he may have ruined me for the rest of my life in terms of – Waking up early in the morning, like really no matter what time I go to sleep, I'm pretty much early, you know, five thirty, six in the morning. Wow. Sometimes I get up and get moving. Sometimes I just wake up and figure out, okay, I need to do this. Sometimes I meditate. It just depends. But I'm up. And we practiced at 6 a.m. Wow. Yes. So, wow. you know, it's just kind of become a way of life for me to where I don't really understand how people sleep in at 8, 7.30. That's like, that's almost like lunchtime. So I pride myself on, <laughs> you know, I kind of pride myself on getting a lot done before lunch so I can brag to my friends and say I've done more <laughs> from 8 to noon than you've gone, you're going to do all day from 8 to 5. Dang, oh, man. Wow, wow. <laughs> you, you got me feeling bad about myself. Man. <laughs> I, 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 you, man. I, I, well, we, let's not get in our sleep issues. <laughs> but I, I'm like one of these people, man, uh, I'm like up. Sometimes I get up like like four thirty five, you know. Cause I, whatever when I p.m. a.m. I'm one of the people who sleep in, right? <laughs> you know all the late times that you got it right and no, stuff. No, that, that, you know, like, yeah, my whole career. I was, this is all about, I was just thinking, you know, my whole career at, 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 at the time was thirty four years. Of, and you were saying, wait, well, yeah. we get out the stadium. Well, you know, Jamal, we get out the stadium at like one in the, one in the night. Mm-hmm. Like if you had to draft yesterday, it's like you know we get out at one in, one in the morning. Too, yeah, and I'm doing all that consistently. I mean, I mean, you don't really think about it. Right. You don't think about it until you don't have to do it anymore. You know. But anyway, listen, man, enough about me. <laughs> <laughs> listen, I, we, you, you were about to say what happened um, your junior year, right? right? Let's, let's take us through that because I think this gets into something we were talking about right. that that everybody who tells every coach who advises you what to do ain't necessarily uh, uh, telling you for your benefit. Right. You know. Right. But, but tell us, take us through what happened. Well, the, the crazy thing about it, like in 1995, when I when I decided to come out of school, I was still enrolled in school. You know, most kids, when they declare, they drop out of classes, move to wherever the agent's going to have them working out or whatever. When I finished school that, that semester, I stayed that whole semester. And really what happened was, um, let me go back in my head, I, I went back to Louisiana, had a conversation with my parents, and, you know, my mom was real big on me finishing up my education. She didn't really care anything about NBA, basketball, any of that stuff. I mean, she wanted me to be good at basketball, but it wasn't like the end-all, be-all for her. Right. So her biggest deal was, you know, making sure that if I did decide to leave, that I would have the opportunity to come back and finish my degree. And she was fine with me making that decision based off of good information if that's what I felt like I needed to do. Um, so when I got back to Fayetteville, 
Uh, I get a call from Coach Richardson at my apartment. He called, left a voicemail, and, you know, normally when Coach leaves a voicemail, every kid's nervous. You know, like, man, what does Coach want? You know, he called. He was like, hey, I need to see you. So I called the office. Uh, secretary said, you know, you need to come see Coach. He wants to visit with you. I'm like, okay, I just got the message. I'm heading that way. So I go, and when I get to the office, and I'm telling you guys this information before I even put it in my book, but I'm going to give it to you all. <laughs> uh, but – Coach had picked up the phone. I remember he called Isaiah Thomas, had a conversation with Isaiah, Isaiah Thomas, who was at the time the GM uh, for Toronto. Mm-hmm. May have even been the head coach at that point. No, I think Darren Walker was the head coach. But he was in part of that that organization, had a conversation with him, gets off the and phone. And they were new. That was a new organization. Right. Yeah, got off the yeah. phone. He's like, hey, they got you tabbed to be in the first round. I'm like, okay. In my mind, I'm still not leaving school, right? I'm still in, still in class and still finishing up. Um then he picked up the phone. He called Rod Thorne, who was the GM at the Bulls at the time. Same thing. We've got him projected in the first round. Then he picked up the phone. He called Willis Reed, who was the GM for the New Jersey Nets. That should have been a tip-off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he said the same thing. You know, he's a first round. So he's like, look, son, in my eyes, I feel like it's time for you to, time for you to go. So at that point, I'm still not sure. Go home, call my mom. She's still thinking, you know, you might want to stay in school, call my dad, you know. He said, you know, what are you thinking? I said, well, if I can be a first-round pick, I think it's best for me to leave. But if I'm not, then it's probably best for me to stay. Mm-hmm. So he actually went to Grambling State with Willis Reed. He was a freshman. That was back when freshmen couldn't play. And he called Willis himself and had the conversation. And Willis said, oh, yeah, he's going to definitely be a first-round pick. So at that point, you got your father and you got someone who's had a conversation with one of the higher-ups in the league, and then your coach has also talked to people in the league. At 20 years old, what else would you do? You mm-hmm. know, So for me, I was like, okay, it's time for me to leave. So, so Corliss, Corliss right. the year before was a lot Same year, pay. same year. Uh, same year, year. Oh, okay, in 95. Yeah, yeah, okay, same, right, same right. Year. Okay. So <clears throat> for me, I'm like, okay, I'm leaving. So I go back to my apartment. I remember like it was yesterday, and I was like, man, I'm going back home. I'm going to go talk to the pastor. Go back, had a conversation with the pastor. He was like, hey, you know, you do whatever you feel like you need to do. We prayed for you, prayed over you, and whatnot. So at that point in the church, I decided, you know, that that was it. You know, I was going to leave. And then I go back to Fayetteville. We set it up for the press conference. Had the press conference, and I left. Now, the moment I left, which even most kids, I'm saying this for for the young men that are hopefully going to hear this, nobody knows that's when the work starts. You know, you could you, after you declare, you know, unless you're – Zion Williamson, hmm. unless you're Michael Jordan, that's when the work starts. And what I mean by the work is meaning the right representation needs to be picked. Um, representation that's not going to necessarily tell you what you want to hear, but tell you what you need to hear. Um, and also has the connections to make sure that you're getting valid information. And I think sometimes nowadays, you know, kids have so many people in their circle that's telling them everything that they want to hear. Whereas I didn't have a circle. I just had my family and people that I trusted. And still, to this day, you know, not really sure what happened with the information that I received. Uh, but also, without, yeah. without, without the, was there an ulterior motive? I mean, uh, I mean, like was, was uh, Coach Richardson, who I love, but was he, did he already have your replacement? And was trying to push you out. You know, I said, well, well, I don't know. We we, we went to two Final Fours back <laughs> right. to back. They made the Sweet Sixteen, so I don't know if he had a replacement. Two finals. Or not. That's yeah. two finals. That's what right. I was gonna say. Like even from from the outside looking in, like I remember that right. time. I mean, you were you were nice. Right. Right. You were good. You right. were, and you also had seemed like you had a pro game. Right. It wasn't like you know some guys. You know, you could, are very good college players, right. but you know that. Right. You know that it, they don't really. It wouldn't really translate. They're not athletic enough or something like that. 
Um, with you, I think even from the outside, it was surprising. Yeah. So I, you know, I would, you know, if I were the if I were the coach too, and people are telling me that you're a first round pick, it, it kind of would make sense. All right. So what happened? So so take us good to so, continue with the story. So long story short, basically, I um, after declaring, you know, I chose chose my representation, who at the time is we're still good friends to this day, but I don't really think he was as connected in NBA circles as some of the other guys that we had interviewed. Had conversations with David Falk, first conversation with David Falk, who represented Jordan and all those guys. If you sign with me, you're going to be a first-round pick. This is from David Falk. So in my mind, that's just more information to help me make that decision even easier. I'm thinking, well, if David Falk's saying this, it must be true. And, you know, wound up coming out, didn't get drafted. I think – I watched the first – I was in Louisiana. I wasn't invited to the draft. I was in Louisiana at the time, actually in a plant, shooting around in a park with some kids where I had grown up, just waiting to hear, you know, what was going to happen. I watched the first 13 picks, and I was like, well, I've had enough of that. And once I saw Cordes was picked, I was like, well, I'll see where I go. I'm thinking, you know, late first round. And I keep people keep pulling up, hey, your name hadn't been called yet. Someone else pulled up, hey, your name hadn't been called yet. So I'm thinking, what's going on? And then finally when it wasn't called at all, that's when I knew, okay, this situation is probably not going to happen the way that it should. Um, but, you know, was fortunate enough to go and play overseas for 11 years and um, was able to get my degree, which is a lot different than a lot of these young men now, mm-hmm. you know, also have a master's. So for me, I look at it at 44 versus 20. You know, I think that maybe it was just one of those things that God just had that plan for me to maybe be the example um, for what maybe not to do. And when I was 21, 22, I kind of shied away from it, you know. But now at 44, educated, I like to consider myself being successful, um, knowing that I had to kind of go a different route than most highly acclaimed athletes in college. So I look at it as a blessing. Do you think your style was ahead of its time? Like now, I think your style would have been right. great in the end. You would have right. been a vet right. because of your right. acumen to shoot, right. you know, and everything. Right. So do you think maybe – because a lot that's what's happened yeah. to a lot yeah. of players that that I that, think that, that could have definitely been a part of mm-hmm. it. You know, I think also, you know, I, I go back to the representation part of it. You know, not to put everything on the representation, but I just think when you have representation that are not on the inside, that mm-hmm. don't have the relationships on the inside, doesn't really matter if they have your best interest. They really right. probably can't help you in the in the magnitude they'd like to, if right. that makes sense. So it's no different than doing a business deal. If if Mr. Roden and I are going to open up a, a store or a strip mall, and we have no experience in building it, and we go out and we think we're going to hire the right guy, but he's never built a strip mall. We just don't know it, but we hire him anyway. Chances are that's going to be a bad business decision for us. So mm-hmm. I just think it's just one of those things where even these kids today, they got to be sure that the people that they pick to be, whether it's their finance guy, whether it's their agent, that these people are not only qualified, but they're connected enough to make sure that things don't go the wrong way. But what happened? I, mean, I just want to go back to um, you, you didn't get drafted. And Jamal and I were talking about this today, you know, because there are a couple guys who were invited to, right. to this draft yeah. yesterday. Yeah. And they were like, you know, it was awful. And they were yep. like, yep. You, know, they, you know, they were just. A, so how did you feel? I mean, when it, when it became sort of clear that you weren't drafted, well, I mean, was it, was it anger? Was it. Were you embarrassed for the community? Were you? I mean, what, what sort of what range uh, of emotions did you have? Frustrated, uh, frustrated, disappointed. You know, heartbroken, all those things. Um, and that lasted for, man, probably about a year. Oh wow! You know? really? Yeah, just dealing with the fact, you know, because it's tough 
When you think about a kid, like I look at the kid Nas Reed last night right. who didn't get drafted, who who's extremely talented. I didn't I didn't see sixty people better than Nas Reed. No, right. You know, right. now everybody can say you know Nas didn't have a motor or Nas didn't have this. Well, you can say that about a lot of kids yeah. that were drafted, and you can say that about a lot of kids that are in the league. Right. Um, but because they're doing all potential, so mm-hmm. the question is, can you get him to crank his motor up to where he can perform? Um, so I just think that like a kid like that. What happens now? Like, if he doesn't sign, I hadn't read anywhere yet that he's even signed a two-way. I, I think he did something. Like, I okay. saw his name pop up. Yeah, but see, back in my day, there were no right. two-ways. You know, <laughs> right. you, right. you didn't right. make it, you didn't make it. Right. You know, CBA you, was yeah, really, C- CBA. wasn't associated yeah. with the NBA. Yeah. Right. I'm, looking, I'm looking here. I mean, because you, I, and your thing, you know, you didn't get drafted and you got your degree. And you got yeah. that, but there was a long journey. A long journey. Because, I said, yeah. you know, you uh you played uh, in the CBA. Yeah. What, the CBA, you went to Shreveport, yeah. Yeah. Sioux Falls. Yeah. You went to Cyprus, Greece, yep. Yep. Lebanon, yep. Macedonia, yep. back to Arkansas. I mean, so there was yep. like, there was, a, yep. it was still in your blood, right? Right. And right. even even that now nowadays, I mean, you did that back then. That wasn't that yep. was not as popular right. as it is now. I mean, hard, now the overseas stuff right. is more, much more common. Right. right. Yeah, it was definitely different, you know. But I really think the overseas thing is really what gave me my confidence back. You know, not as a player, but just more as a person, and not really being concerned with what people have to say about you as opposed to you having your own value for yourself. Right, right. Um, when I went over there and started playing and started having success and then you bump into a Rodney Monroe who was mm. a great player. So, you're like, yeah. wait a minute, it's Rodney right. Monroe. Yeah. It's NC State. Right, yeah. and then yeah. you're on a team with George Ackles and it's like, mm. uh, man, what is Big Hack going on? Right, so you, know, you start seeing that and it's kind of like, okay, I, I'm no different than, than some of these other guys you know, that have had the opportunity and maybe didn't pan out the way uh, that they feel. So for me, it was like that road that you described was probably the best education that I could I could have received. Uh, playing on that side of the world, learning different languages, seeing meeting different people from different cultures, understanding our media in the states versus their media, and how sometimes things are portrayed a certain way, and it may not necessarily be that way, but right. that may be what they choose to show us on this side. Mm-hmm. And I got a chance to experience that, like, with the towers. I remember when the towers were, were bombed here. I was traveling to go from Italy to Lebanon at that time. And right. all of my family, including my wife, thought I was crazy. Like, you're going to Lebanon? Like, they just bombed the towers, you know, all these people. And I'm like, the people in Lebanon didn't bomb the towers. It was mm-hmm. somebody in New York did that. You know, right. now, granted, they may have been from that side of the world, but I'm like, that's no different than a brother going out and having – committing a murder or a crime and then they throw all us in that same right. in that same right. boat. So, right. Right. you know, that's when I started to see that, you know, okay, this world is a lot bigger than just basketball. It's a lot bigger than just what we see and what we watch. And for me, it's really changed my life, to be honest. So what point in this journey did you, uh, was it you woke up one day or one thing and said, okay, I'm done. This is, let me get on with the rest of my, was it? Done playing? Yeah, yeah. At what point did you say this? I, you know, this I'm done. This is it. Uh, was it sp- Macedonia? Was it? <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't. That, it wasn't that early. I, I think it was like my eighth year. My eighth year, I was playing, and I was in Lebanon at the time. And you know, my son was getting older. She wasn't. Oh, wait, was she old? Oh, yeah, yeah. She wasn't born yet. Wow, we weren't we weren't married early on. We were married, you know, like the middle portion. Were you rest. traveling? I'm looking over his wife. Were you traveling <laughs> with him when he was going to Macedonia? And... No, I was in medical school. Oh, okay. 
car. See, somebody had to be very smart. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, see, the parts you've missed, and I, I had to invest it, so I had to invest. You know? <laughs> good, <laughs> good investment. Like, yeah. You know? I don't know if you heard a wife that I was a medical student. Yeah. You yeah, had that safety net. Yeah. Well, you know, somewhat of somewhat one, but you know, you, you still had books and tuition that right, had to be right. paid for, too. <laughs> yeah, but you know, so funny, you know. That's where education for you paid off. Yeah. Middle school, school lasts a long time. Yeah. <laughs> Forever, right. <laughs> but you know it's so funny. You're um, the reason I asked that during the playoffs, I had this conversation with Masai uh, Ujiri, who was the uh, president of the Raptors. Same thing, although he was born in Nigeria, he was on the same chase. You know, he wanted mm-hmm. to play, and then he he went from Nigeria to some uh, prep school in in uh, Seattle. Yeah. Then he went to South Sioux Falls, Montana, then South Dakota, and then he left South Dakota. Then, <laughs> then he went back to some small town and. And finally, he said, after he got cut from this B-level team in Finland or something, he said, I see, I, he said, I think I'm chasing something that doesn't exist. <laughs> 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 and that's why the, the rule is at, at what point he did. Because there had to be a point where he said, okay, I'm done. Well, really, I started to transition like my eighth year. Once I realized like my son was getting older, and then I started, like when I would come home in the summertime, I would always get invited to go to L.A. and play in the summer league with this team. I go and do that, and I'm thinking, well, I'm already have just finished the season. Why would I want to go and and be away from my family the rest of the summer when I know I got a job already for the following year? So what I started to do was try to prepare for the future and see, okay, when this ends, what am I going to do? So that's back when, and you guys have probably heard this. I don't know how often it happens in New York, but that's back when flipping houses was a big deal. Mm-hmm. So, so I had a couple of buddies that were in the mortgage industry. Uh, I had a couple that was appraisers and in real estate. So I came home one summer, and you know I would always go to their offices and hang out and try to learn what they were doing, so I could see if it would be something I'd be interested in. And fortunately for me, it was. You know, I started flipping houses on the side. So every time I'd come home in the summer. I try to find a house, fix it up, flip it. Wow. You know, then I come back the next summer, do it again, find one, flip it. And before I know it, I had done about what about 12, 13. Wow. And then I had a buddy talk me into getting a construction license. So I get a construction license. Wound up building probably 14, 15. Then started doing land development. Then we wound up buying some land and developed a subdivision because some commercial property. So then at that point, I was like, you know, once I get this stuff going the way I want, I'm going to phase out from basketball. So I think I wound up playing my last three years kind of like partial season. I didn't have to go to full season. I'd go play in like the Asian championship, the Arab championship, then I'd go back home. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd come back and play in this event, that event. I'd go back home. So it was kind of like a transition uh, process before I decided, you know what, I'm not doing that anymore. But when I – by my 10th year, I think I had a – Flight I had to take going to, I think we were going to Singapore, if I'm not mistaken. And and I told her, I'm like, hey, you know, you guys can't come to the airport or something like that. And she was like, what? And I was like, I can't, I can't look at you guys at the airport and, and get on this flight. Like, it's not going to happen. So she's like, okay. And then when I got on that flight, the whole flight, I'm like, I must be the dumbest man living. <laughs> like, I don't know if I'm going to even come back. You know, you don't know. Anything could happen. And uh, at that point, that's when I was like, this is going to be it. This is the last wow. one. Yeah, I mean, you were fortunate in, in, in a way because, you know, I think in the same story we talk about, you were advising Portis. Right. At, at, that, at that time. So uh, you, you um, the light goes off. Right. You transition fully. You get your degree. Right. Right. You finish your degree. 
right? And then you decided to get a master's right. on top of that. Right. Why, why was that? Why did you decide to do that? Your wife. No. <laughs> no. It, at Arkansas? At Arkansas, master's at University of Arkansas? I got my master's from the University of Arkansas, Little Rock, Little Rock. Which, is okay. where, which is where we live prior to moving to Fayetteville, okay. which is where the University of Arkansas is located. Mm-hmm. I got my degree in 2003. Mm-hmm. I was still playing. I think I came home in 2001. I had a, got my knee scope, mm-hmm. and I was healthy, but I didn't really want to leave home. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and take me a few classes. So I wound up enrolling in like 15 hours. And I did get my degree. You guys are talking about HBCUs. I finished up at Philander Smith College. Mm -hmm. That's where I got my degree from. So but that's not HBCU, is it? Yeah. Oh, it is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yes, it is. Sorry. Yeah, they don't really, they don't, <laughs> you're supposed to know that. <laughs> <laughs> so I wound up getting my degree in 03. And then I think 04. This is the craziest thing. I was done playing basketball. I get a call from a friend of mine who was the general manager slash coach of a team out of Lebanon. They were going to Dubai to play in the Arab Championships. And I was working in commercial real estate at the time. I had no interest. But I was working out every day, and I was still playing a little ball. I was in pretty good shape. And the guy was like, hey, we just need you to come for a week. And I'm like, a week? And he was like, in Dubai. I was like, I tried to bid myself out of it. Didn't happen. I was like, okay. Well, can I bring my son? If I can't bring my son, I probably can't do it. Yeah, yeah, you can bring him. He can sit on the bench during the games. Wow. You know, wow. so. Wow. How old was he at the time? At the time, he was in his eighth grade, right? Oh, wow. Going today. Well, yeah, he was in eighth grade. Eighth grade. And his eighth grade basketball coach was going crazy. Like, hey, man, you're taking your son away from the team. And I'm like, look, this is an education. I'm not really concerned about eighth grade basketball. Right. Like, he's going to miss one game, and he's like number 20 on your team of 22, like, mm-hmm. he's not he's not that effective. It's so like it, jazz being on a bandstand <laughs> instead of, like, yeah. you know, that's right, what we learned. Right, yeah, right, right. right. So <laughs> took him over there, man. And then when I came back, I started volunteering at his school. And um, he, was, had the, that, he had his coach fired. <laughs> <laughs> when, when I was volunteering at his school, you know, you had, you had the head coach, uh, and then you had all these other guys that they were coaches too, but they didn't work at the school. They worked at other schools in the area, mm-hmm. but they got stipends to coach there. Right. So I go to the first basketball practice, and none of these coaches know any of these kids' names. Mm-hmm. And it was just killing me to just hear me, hey, come here, boy. Hey, you, you get up. And I'm like, what the hell is going white on? Guys? No, it's black guys. Black guys. I'm like, what the hell is going on? So I started learning all the kids' names and developing a relationship with them. And next thing I know, they signed me up to be a volunteer. So I was keeping the book. Wow, and wow. then I was like, you know what, this is pretty fun coaching these young kids. I enjoy this. And then I got talked in AAU, and we did that for three years. And then I wound up getting talked into taking a high school job by a friend of mine who was a high school coach there at, in Little Rock. Mm-hmm. And that's how I wound up getting my master's because when I took the job, before I took it, I asked questions about certification. I'm like, hey, what do I need to do to be certified because I don't want to take the job, and then all of a sudden I got to do all this other stuff mm-hmm. besides work. And he's like, oh, you don't have to do anything. You know, you're good to go. So I signed the contract, took the job, first day on the job. Hey, you got to get certified. (laughs) So then the certification process was you had two years of what they call alternative certification. And if you do it, then, you know, in Arkansas, you're legitimate. But if I move to Texas, if I move to New York, then I got to do it again. So I was like, if this program is going to take me two years, I may as well get my master's. So... I enrolled in it, and they paid for it, so it, oh, it wow. kind of worked yes. out. Wow. Yeah, it kind of worked wow. out. Great. Wow. So, but, so now you're coaching, or for, yeah. the past, for the past nine years you've been coaching? Well, for the past three years I've been coaching. Right. For six years I was director of student-athlete development at the University of Arkansas, and I was mentoring 
uh, implementing different workshops and character and and character enhancement, career enhancement, and just helping guys with their lives. Because before I took the job at Arkansas as director of student athlete development, the graduation rates were plummeting. Um, they had programs on campus that kids weren't participating in. And basically, they had APR. And I don't know if what you guys know right. about APR, mm-hmm. but APR is basically the IRS of college basketball. <laughs> right. So I keep, my, you out of, keep you out of tournaments. You right, know, you, yeah, right, grades, right. So my job was really a part of Arkansas's APR implementation program, meaning they wanted to have someone who could get these guys to participate in things that they weren't going to, whether it was financial literacy workshops, career fairs, and different things. So when I got there, we had a – a pretty crazy cast of characters. You know, John Pelfrey was the head coach at the time. It was yep. kind of like, you know, we had the kids that were kind of like they were. They thought they were running the program, and um, there was a lot of things they just they just wouldn't do, and they didn't understand why they needed to do them. So, you know, my first task was trying to get these kids to buy into life outside of basketball. And I never forget the first thing we did was a financial seminar, and I had a guy from a bank basically just take a minimum contract at the time. I think it was like four twenty five or something like that a minimum contract, and just break that down to what that really looks like after taxes. And then you ask these guys different questions for participation. Okay, where are you going to spend your first check on? What are you going to get? What are you going to get? So we just started subtracting. Subtracting. Oh, what, what, was the first, subtracting. What, what university was the first thing that they said? Car or house? Car. Ugh. Yeah, it was car. Wow. And they was broke, most of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was like a Bentley or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. or a Jaguar. Yeah. 300000 right, right. so, so, <laughs> And it was crazy because you had to talk them into, okay, no, you can't get that kind of car. You're only making 425000 Like, mm-hmm. you got to get something more economical. So then they changed it to something, 50000 Right, right, right. You know, and then we just work it from there. So it was funny because none of them had ever really talked about money before. Yeah. And they really didn't understand how it could get away from it. Because right. it's never taught in schools right. at all. I know, right. I know, through, right. through high school, yeah. never. Right. Then you have all the, all the guys, you know, I would assume you're a D1, big-time Division One program. Everybody thinks that they're going to be in the NBA, right? So how do you, how do you talk to them about that? Well, it's kind of like you really can't kill their dreams, mm-hmm. but you just try to provide them the information. So what I would do is just get them to think outside the box, like, okay, it's 60 jobs, basically, that people are getting interviewed for in terms of the draft. And then you look at the teams, you probably got, what, 12 guys on the roster, and then you got your three injured reserves. They don't, they don't fill those up, so they don't stay open until they figure out what they're doing playoff-wise, and then some teams just don't even worry about it. You know, they just send a guy to the D-League now. Um, so I would just break them down, like let them look at the job opportunities that were really available so they could see, okay, now you look at the jobs available and that number may be 30. Okay, then you got 5,000 Division One basketball players. You got another 5,000 junior college, another 5,000 D2, just rough estimates. Mm-hmm. I'm like, so it's 20,000 guys, and then you got these Europeans you've never heard of. Several thousands of those guys. Right. So then you add them all up. And for 30 jobs, this is what you're fighting for. So for me, I would use it as a way of getting these guys to play harder, work harder on the court. Because I'm thinking if the NBA is where you're really trying to – where you say you're trying to go, you better make sure you're ready for that opportunity when it presents itself. Because if you're not ready for the opportunity, the chances are already hard. Right. But if you're not ready for the opportunity that presents itself, then it's probably not going to happen. Daniel Gafford. Daniel Gafford got drafted. You know, that's right. that's your kid. Right. That's your guy. Right. Um, 
what did you what what was the thing that you had to advise him on the most, and how do you see his prospects at the next level? Well, advising him was different because you know he kind of I wouldn't say bailed out, but he didn't play the last couple of games of the season, so he kind of left, didn't play in the NIT, moved off with his agent, so he was kind of distant. You know, Bobby wow. Portis was different because I knew him since he was in the fifth mm-hmm. grade. You know, mm-hmm. knew his mom, knew his family, so that was different. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dan was just. It was more of just trying to get him to understand that you're not in the NBA yet. You know, you know how some guys come in one year, they're very hungry. The next year, they kind of go through the motion somewhat, thinking it's already taking place. And that was my thing with him was making sure that you understand, like, every day you're auditioning. Like, we've got 20 scouts at every game. They're not coming to see me. They come to see you. Mm-hmm. So if your bench decorum's not right, if your demeanor's not right, if you don't perform at the level that they think you should – they're looking for reasons not to pay you, not for reasons to give you more money. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Our guest is the great Scotty Thurman, uh, former star at the uh, University of Arkansas, uh, former assistant coach at the University of Arkansas, entrepreneur uh, in search of the next great opportunity, you know, which is probably around the corner. Um, uh, question. We, 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 were, we were talking about um, the draft, yesterday's draft. Um, but let me ask you a question. Uh, we kind of jump around here. I would, I would love to see the draft eliminated. And I, I would really just eliminate the draft. Because if you, if you look at it, you know, and in fact, I was looking at it yesterday, you know, and all these kids, I mean, it was touching. Zion crying right. and all that. And that, what I liked is that, you know, Zion was his mother, but a lot of guys were with their fathers, they were crying right. and all that. But then I was thinking, this year, it's almost like if you had like a plantation and the plantation had a draft. <laughs> you know, and they said, well, so-and-so, we get so-and-so, and so-and-so. You get the <laughs> And then it was like, so-and-so, and yeah, here's your, like, big, they give them the silver. You get the silver shovel. And like, oh, my God, thank you very much. You know, as opposed, I mean, it's like a plantation. You, know, you get to the biggest plantation, you get to this plantation. As opposed to your whole life as an athlete, when you're in middle school, when you're AAU, you make the choice. It's all free agency. Yeah. It's all free agency, right? You make the choice. It's the AAU coach who's kissing your butt. Mm-hmm. It's the middle school coach who's kissing your butt. It's the high school coach. It's the college. Everybody. It's all free agency. Now when you get to this, the big house, now all of a sudden it ain't free no more. You know, we're going to tell you where you got to play, how long you got to stay there, and this is how much money we're going to pay you. As opposed to Zion could have been a gazillionaire. Mm-hmm. Zion, the first 16 guys, and, and, and even, let's say, well, anyway, what do you think about that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a lot. <laughs> I mean, I, I can see where you're going with it. I think, um, I think the difficult, difficult part for it is that the NBA makes so much money off of it, right. you know, just from the marketing part of it. Uh, from the TV ratings and all those things. So I think... Oh, yeah, from the NBA side. Right, right. Yeah, I think from the player side, it would definitely benefit uh, guys to be able to pick teams. I mean, if you think about it, some of the guys that didn't get drafted, if they were lucky enough or fortunate enough to pick up Pick the right team and the right fit. Right, may wind up being the best decision. We were talking. We were talking about that right. earlier. Like you know, in some cases, and probably most cases, it's better not to get drafted than to yeah. be a second round pick. Correct. Because then you can you could like you said nowadays maybe yeah. not back in the day but nowadays you got these these two way uh, projects and we were talking about Nas Reed he signed with with Minnesota. Okay. For a two way deal so. Yeah, I mean, but for example, let's say go back in '94. You know when you decided to go. Let's say if there was no draft. Yeah. All right. Well, 
people are going to do what they're going to do. Yeah. And then you, your agent then yeah. could have said, okay, let's, you know, uh, where, 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 where do I want to go? You know, where, Orlando. Yeah. Yeah, Shaq. Yeah, Shaq. Well, all Shaq dish yeah, right that, to you. There you go. Yeah. You could have been instead yeah. of three D. Yeah. Could have been Scotty. Yeah, Scotty I'd, I'd have made those free throws. Yeah. <laughs> oh, unlike yeah, yeah I, unlike on Nick. Yeah, I hate that for Nick because I loved him when he played at Illinois, but I would have made those. Yeah, that wasn't good. Did you or did you follow the? Uh, what, uh, this is a silly question. You follow the playoffs, right? Yes. What do you think? First of all, what do you think of KD's decision to? But that that's a whole. No- what do you think about that? Speaking about the plantation, what do you think about that? Which one going back to so KD? Back to play? KD's decision going back to play to gut it out. And oh go back yeah, to yeah, play. yeah, yeah. I think it was obviously a risk. Um, I think he should have been smart about it, though. I mean, you're making thirty million dollars a year. Surely you can set up a doctor's appointment somewhere else too, um, because. If you look at anything going on with the calf, if you know anything about the body, it just goes down to the Achilles. I mean, that's that's kind of common sense. I think what happened though was he got so tied up into what people pressure. were saying and yes. the pressure of and the pressure of wanting to win another right. championship. I think that kind of blinded his vision mm-hmm. uh, somewhat. But there's no way that I would have played without going and getting another opinion. And, and Kawhi, that's why it's Kawhi was different. The opposite, how yeah. he stuck to yeah. his guns, yeah. you know, and and. And pretty much said when San Antonio started to question his heart and his right. character, he said, "I want out," yeah. and that exactly. was it. Yeah. Exactly. That was it. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah, but you got only a few guys that are willing to, to you know stand their ground like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because if you think about it, look what Kawhi had to endure until right. this year. You know, if, if he didn't win the championship or if he wouldn't have had a successful season, mm-hmm. the narrative would probably be different. Uh, right. But because he was able to bounce back from it. And when now everybody's forgotten what took place in San Antonio, with the exception of probably San Antonio, except for Pop. If that shot didn't fall in, because pretty much Kawhi had to make the finals, yeah. that was it. Yeah. You know, he had to. Yeah. And if that shot didn't rattle in, yeah. and they lost in overtime yeah. in Philly, yeah, it would have yeah. been a whole different, a whole different, different yeah. But yeah. yeah, but but you know, it didn't. And somebody play players like that make their own breaks. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, you know right. I mean? Of I mean, course, you gotta make of your course. Breaks. Yeah. But you know, but you're right. And from the media standpoint. And it's so funny. I listen to a lot of radio, and I listen to a lot of serious, like serious NBA radio during the basketball season, uh, NFL, you know, because I, I want to hear what these cats are saying. So I'm like, listen to. So yesterday, somebody said it was just a throwaway. No, today it's more just as a throwaway comment. They were talking about all the the love, like with the black fathers, you know, mm. and all that. And this white guy said, yeah, you know, well, you know, and he was trying to be complimentary. He said, yeah, you know. <laughs> You know, I know black fathers get a bad rap, but that was really. I said, wait a minute, what, the fuck you what, what rap is that? What, 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 but it just it just yeah. went by. Nobody challenged them. Yeah. I said, wait right. a minute, what, what bad rap is that? Yeah. You know. <laughs> but anyway, but, but you know, but it, it gets back to this whole thing of, of so when Kawhi, they, these same guys were killing Kawhi. Yeah. I mean, on, right. a, on a daily, mm-hmm. I'm listening every day on it, not just day to day, hourly, show to show to show. Killing Kawhi, you're not grateful. You know how they throw that grateful thing. Some of them still kill him. You know, they, yeah. you got people out there w- will not let it go that he told uh, an organization and, and uh, you know one of the great organizations, one of the great oh, coaches yeah. of all time, that he wasn't he wasn't going to play. You know, they still hold it against him right. now. So you're right. Imagine right. imagine if, if yeah. he didn't win, yeah. it'd be, it'd be worse. the narrative would be completely mm-hmm. different. So do you think he's going to stay? Uh, well, let's put yourself in his shoes. You know. You know, he just had a child, just had a baby, right. and all that. You know, you know, so what would you do if you were in Kawhi's shoes? 
it'd be hard for me to leave having won a championship there and with the majority of those guys probably coming back. I mean, Marcus Gasol, I think, is the one guy that's free, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I think well, player option. Player option, yeah. yeah you know he's taking that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> the 30 million. <laughs> yeah, so, 30 million? 30 million to player stay. option. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. He had a contract to stay. Yeah, well, yeah. 30 yeah. million, yeah, he, part of his contract, he was given like a four-year from Memphis. 20 from Memphis. Yeah, because yeah. that's back so when he was defensive player, player of the year and all that. Yeah. Back yeah. in the day. <laughs> well, he contributed, though. Yeah, he, he did. He played well. Yeah, yeah he yeah, played well. Yeah, so you you so you so think you, was, you might stay? I, I would definitely. It's cold up there. Uh, yeah, it is. It is. But, oh, you know. But $30 million? Nice, nice city, though. Oh, yeah, yeah. $30 million. Dollars. I don't care if it's like Antarctica. Yeah. I'm taking that player option. Well, a couple people have not taken the option. Well, Horford. Yeah, that's true. Horford. Who was it? Harrison Barnes gave up about $25 million. But they were younger guys. There, yeah. I don't know how smart that was, yeah, Harrison. Though, but maybe he'll get the get yeah. it back on the on yeah. the back end. Yeah, but you you would you would stay. You I'm not saying I would stay. I'm saying it would definitely be number one option, uh, considering the fact that we won the championship. I, I would still go through the process and talk to some other teams, but they've got to convince me that the culture is going to be similar or would you, better. Would you would you join LeBron uh, in a? In no, a... Not about, <laughs> not, really, not LeBron, LeBron and AD. AD? No, no. no. Uh, I don't. I don't think that. I don't think that really helps him uh, because. Yeah. He's proven this year, I think, that he's a guy that's got to have that ball in his hands. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. not that he's going to shoot it every time, but right. he needs to have it. If he goes to L.A., that's not happening. But he's so, it's so funny with him. He's so, you know, he knows how to adapt. Yeah, he I knows agree. how to, you know, yeah. it's kind of like he, he, he has, a, he has a, a kind of like a demeanor where it doesn't matter what his role right. is, you know. And he's like, he goes with the flow of the situation. Yeah. It's really, he's a really interesting cat I like would that, agree. You know? I would agree. Like, yeah, where he's like, hey, I'm, I'm getting paid max money and I, I know my legacy. Yeah. He's secure about yeah. his legacy yeah, I would and what agree. he's about. Yeah, yeah, I think the difference for him, though, is that, not that he needs this, but I think, you know, in San Antonio when he was there, he wasn't necessarily the guy. They wanted, and he wound up being a finals MVP and all that, but right. he still wasn't, quote, unquote, the guy. Well, the last three years right, of, it, yeah, right. of his time. But right, now right. in Toronto, he's the guy. Right. Mm-hmm. Why go somewhere else and not be the guy again? Right, right. It's, it's hard to go from being the guy to not being right. the guy. And, and, the, and right. my apologies. I know what you meant by the guy because <laughs> yeah. Pop yeah. Is, runs over. Yeah. Like, he may yeah. have been the best player, yeah. Kawhi, well, so had but, dun- yeah, had but Pop had yeah, yeah. Well, no, but he, was, but he was still like a top three MVP guy for two years yeah. with, um, with uh, San Antonio. So, yeah, yeah but, but I know what you mean. Yeah. Pop still overran everything. Yeah. Toronto was yeah. like. Yeah. It's his his thing. Give the ball to Will. But Give think, the ball to Kawhi. Yeah. I, th- I, th- I, th- I think he's got to sharpen his pencil too. Yeah. Uh, them Canadian taxes are pretty pretty vicious. Mm. Um, well, you know they talk about they will give him they were gonna give him a penthouse. Yeah. They're gonna have free food. You know, for forever yeah. for life. Yeah. Which you kind of laugh off with anyway. Well, yeah. that, well, that's that, that's, that's, that's add <laughs> yeah. a penthouse. Free food for it, life. Is it in writing, though? Yeah. Show up to the restaurant and get your bill. If I'm him. <laughs> if I'm him. Who, who are you? Well, just like with Masai. The guard stopped him. Remember, they were yeah. at the, at the, in Oakland. Right. Know, Masai, who's a, who's a team president, and he went to the thing, and they, the guard stopped him. And and he, he's facing charges behind it. Well, actually, and now there's witnesses saying that the, the guard and the police were lying about that. Shocking. So, yeah. So now, <laughs> now Masai may have a nice lawsuit yeah. to, to go after, like, you know? Let's go like, I'm going to buy the arena. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And speaking of Masai, he's being coveted. That's right. Yeah. Well, that's, a, that's another question. What would you put you in his shoes now? You know? Now, for his shoes, that's a little different. Huh? That's a little different because, I mean, He's proven himself there. I don't know what the offer on the table is from Toronto, mm-hmm. you know, but I do. I've been hearing from the Wizards is like ten million a year and ownership stake. 
And it's kind of hard to turn that down unless now if Toronto's willing to match it, then I stay. But, guess what's but you got to match it. But guess what, Scotty? That John Wall contract. That <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to match, right? I don't right? know. I don't yeah. know. A twenty million, maybe. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. 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 that contract you can't get. But rid because of that, of that contract, they got to be patient with him. Yeah, you know. So, I mean, you right. know, you're in a. Is there anything place. they could do to John Wall? Can they just like maybe have him kidnapped? I mean, can uh, they? <laughs> oh, that's not right. I'm gonna have to edit that. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Because if that, then we'll be, then we'll be even. You, you talk about, you talk about like a Celtic pride when Damon Wayans was uh, using. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> that movie. <laughs> but would you? Would you? Would you? Would you? Because um, you know, uh, what's the word I'm trying to? Players often lead with their heart, right? And guilt and that kind of stuff. Right. This is business. So as a business person, whether you're Kawhi, whether you Masai, whatever, how how hard? And even even Durant, right. you know, that wasn't a business decision. That right. was like a an emotional right. decision. So if you, I mean, how much does when you're when you're playing and you're a player, how much does this whole subjective, the loyalty, uh, you know, the team, you know, you see, like players tend to be more loyal than the franchise. Right. The franchise right. never loyal. Right. Yeah, I think I think most players, with the exception of guys like LeBron and some of the other guys now that you see are involved in handling business, most guys aren't really equipped because they've never done it. So I think for guys like, a, say, a Kawhi who's now in a chance of making a business decision, mm-hmm. I think he's going to mull over for a while. But I think him having gone through what he went through at San Antonio probably taught him more about the business. Right. Mm-hmm. He's probably right. going to make a better business decision. KD now, after going through what he's gone through, I would like to think that he's going to make another business decision. Maybe right. Golden State, maybe not. But I'd be willing to bet you if he had to put on the table again versus that injury, I don't think he would chance it. That's right. I, always, I wonder too. Why don't we talk about it in the show? But again, this it, again, it's this thing that remember when Clay Thompson got hurt, they made him not play. Right. They sat him down. So you right. ain't playing. Right. Because we're investing in our future. And all. I wonder if at some level, like they said, well, since you're gonna leave anyway, yeah. you know, if we can't have you nobody, so you know, if we can't have you nobody can. So <laughs> you know, in other words, you kind of let this sort of you let him stew in his own guilt. You know, so well, you know. We say, I don't know. It looks like you're kind of good to go. I mean, you know, I mean, if you, know, if you want to play, I mean, we can, you know, yeah. as opposed to saying, listen, Kevin, you can't play. Right. I know there's another season. We need you're more valuable to us than this game. You're not playing. Right. You know, like 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 we all do with 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 our children sometimes. Mm. You know, sometimes that's why you have adults, and that's why you have children. Right. You know, well, I want another plate of ice cream. Well, no, you all have five plates of ice cream. You can't right. have another plate of ice cream. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. right. I mean. I think there's a there's a description of you talk about winning and then you talk about winning at all costs. Mm. And I think some people are prepared to try to win at all costs right. instead of just being concerned about winning. Because to me, if you're just concerned about winning, then you're going to still be concerned about Kevin Durant's health more so than just, you know, the game itself. You're going to be right. concerned about his well-being. Because, I mean, you're talking about 12 months at right. least right. before he come back. And if he'll ever return back to the level you know, right. that he's been at. So – I don't think that they were thinking about that at the time. I think it was just more, we got to win this championship. You know, we got to try to three-peat. We need KD to do so. Mm-hmm. Going to put him back in. But it is funny that you mentioned that, like, they set Clay though. You know, so. <laughs> Younger. He's, and, they, they, and, and it was no ifs, ands, or buts. Because right. remember, you saw the game. He was pissed. Right. And they said, no, you, you, you're not playing. Yeah. You'd be yeah. pissed all you want. Then the next game. So I'm just thinking with Kevin, they could have easily said. Yep, set him. Yeah, and right. like, like we just are here speculating about the calf muscle. No, you I mean when it that. when it happened, you you swore 
he swore was an Achilles, was yeah. textbook Achilles. Yeah. So that alone should have, you know, I was, yeah. that was, I didn't, I thought from the beginning that that they were maybe trying to hide that it was an Achilles because the way he reacted was like, you know, it had to be. The, I, I tore both of mine just playing pickup. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It was the same thing. Look around, yeah. like yo, yeah. you know right. who hit me? Right. And he did the same thing. So I'm like, and I was like, there's no. I was like, that has to be the Achilles. There's no way he should even wow. he should come back. Yeah. Right. So you dodged the bullet. You dodged that bullet because because then later you see him shooting around, walking around. It can't be the Achilles, right? Right. So you wouldn't be walking around. So I'm like, okay, but you still dodged that bullet. How, how do you? Did you come in at like not just like you know November 10th, you know, but like game <laughs> right. five June. Of, the, of the NBA playoffs <laughs> in June, and everything is like somebody just get on a highway, and everybody as you get an exit ramp, everybody is like going like 200 miles an hour, mm-hmm. yeah. and you just kind of you got your rambler, and, and you you know you kind of coming on like that. It's it, to me. It just seems such a setup, and they said they did not have this best. They did not have Kevin's best interest and, at heart. And, and remember the parade when they Bob Myers joked around, and Bob Myers and Steve Kerr joked around about Kevin, like how he joined them, kind of like oh, yeah. still how yeah. When they joke, jokes jest is usually serious. Yeah. Yeah, when you yeah. think about it, I always when I hear a joke, I'm like, are oh, you being serious? Right? <laughs> and, and, you know, <laughs> I'm thinking that to myself. <laughs> and, and you know, and remember, it was it was like he was gone. Yeah. I mean, he was he was out of there. Yeah. He was going right. to be in New York. Mm-hmm. He was going to be so he was out of. There. And the kids like that thing. Well, we can't have you. Nobody can yeah, have right, you. Right. Go right. play. And then right. Clay and they look at Clay like um like I'm not taking their side, not at all. But I'm saying they look at Clay. Clay was part of you know part of the original you know yeah. going through losses and he grew up in that organization. He matured in that organization. So, but um but I have a question for you about the draft. You okay. know like. Yeah. Um, there were a lot of guys that fell, you right. know, and it made me think of when I was seeing Bo Bo in there, like just waiting, you know, and and it made me think of Rashard Lewis that yeah. time when Rashard went, you know, high school player, yeah. Houston Rockets that year had three first round picks. They didn't pick him. He right. thought he was going there in the mid round, mid first round. Went down crying, like Bo Bo looked like he was yeah. just straight embarrassed, yeah. like. Talk about like maybe um, it was that suit he was wearing. You know, <laughs> no, right, right. <laughs> right. But but what what would you advise a kid like Bobo? You know, a kid like Nasir Little who still got drafted in the first right. round, but kids like that, that have gone down. What would be your advice to them through the adversity to be able to be tough mentally on this? Well, I think you still got to believe in your ability. I mean, obviously. You, you came out for a reason. You came out thinking that you know you were going to be a guy that was going to be selected high. I think Nas was Nas Little was picked to be a lot, lottery pick, right? right? right. Mm-hmm. Uh, then Bo Bo at one point right. was Same predicted thing. to be a lottery pick, right. um, and I think his talent probably def- definitely suggests that he is if he's healthy. Um, mm-hmm. But I think both of those guys need to remain confident. I still think it's very important for them to have the right people around them. Not suggesting that they don't now, but I think you've got to have the right people around you and the right, and you've got to entrust those people or empower them. I should say to be able to be open with you. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I think too many times guys have people around them that they want to be told what they want to hear. Like, I don't want any friends that's going to tell me what I want to hear. If I ask you for advice, I want you to give it to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't give it to me the way you think I want it. Give it to me the way I asked. That's right. And then let me decipher on what I want to try to take out of that and use for my better benefit. Mm-hmm. But I feel like the more people you have around you that way, the better you become. You too, know, too bad his dad's not around yeah. anymore, too. Right. You know, and yeah. and then and it's a new, it's a different era, it's a new game, and new opportunities. You got like Alonzo Trier did right. it for the Knicks. He was a two way guy. He you know basically shined. 
the last year. No longer two way. Yeah, that's true. You got, you got the deal out of it, so it's doable right. now. Yeah. Well, let me before we let you go. Um, I want to bring you back to to the college okay. to the college game and your coaching. Um, one, you know, when I was reading the article that that Bill wrote on you a couple of years ago, one of the things you said was that you wanted you 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 wanted there to be an opportunity for kids to uh, you know to have more tools to research you know their situation in the draft and, right. and you know so they knew what they, they'd be educated to know what they do you know whether they should leave or not right. and since then the NCAA has made these incremental taking incremental steps you know they keep pushing it back right. like you know it used to be April now it's like May right. do you do you think they've done enough or you think they should do some more no I think they still got a ways to go you know mm-hmm. I think because I mean if you think about it. Aside from the kids who didn't get picked where they wanted to get picked, what about the kids that didn't get picked at all? all right. You know, mm-hmm. nobody, nobody's going to even mention them. You know, you got some guys, yeah, they're going to get the two-way. Mm-hmm. What about the guys that don't get the two-way? Mm-hmm. So they're 18, 19. They didn't get drafted. Chances are they probably hadn't finished their degree because they weren't in school long enough. Or we just throw them away because they're no longer an NBA prospect or no longer a moneymaker, so to speak. I think, um, you know, it needs to be some things in place to – educate and empower them so that, that they don't just worry about deadlines. Because if you look at the deadlines, just think about it. If a guy declares for the draft, by the time he decides to take his name out, that college coach has already moved on and signed somebody else, so he can't go back to school anyway. So I think there needs to be some people from the top that at the NBA level, college level, that sit down and really talk about what's real. But until that happens, it's just going to be giving you deadlines and little changes. I mean, think about it. Now you're letting guys have agents. Mm-hmm. Back in our day, if you had an agent, right. that was it. You violated rules. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't tell me that all those kids that came out that have agents for advice haven't taken anything, mm-hmm. but they're gonna be able to go back or whatever mm-hmm. if they if they withdraw. Mm-hmm. I just think that that's that's kind of like fluff to me. Mm-hmm. And la- my last question, at least, um, you know, recently we had the we had the college basketball recruiting scandal, and I wrote a, a piece on this for the undefeated. Um, really focusing on uh, the fact that it was black coaches, right. black assistant coaches who right. all got indicted. and also we, we know that there are white assistant coaches recruiting out there too. Uh, part, of the, part of the problem for me was, um, and talking to people, was that a lot of times it's the black coach, the black assistant coach, whose job it is to recruit, and that's like their sole job. Um, they're not given the opportunity uh, you know, in terms of the X's and O's and that type of thing. You know, what, what was your take on the scandal as a whole, and, and what's your take on, on just, you know, the role of a black assistant coach in that way? I, mean, I think there's a lot of pressure on coaches to go out and try to get the next guy, and if they feel like someone else is violating rules and they're not getting caught, I think that they kind of want to try to maybe go in the gray area a little bit. Um, I really think it's unfortunate that all those guys are the only ones that got punished because there's this rule in college now that's supposed to be head coach's responsibility, meaning that if right. you don't know, you should have known. Right. right. So, I mean, what happens to, to those guys? And I think it sends to young people who are aspiring to be coaches, it's sending the wrong message because you've got the Kansas situation, you've got the Arizona situation, you've got Will Wade at LSU who got a chance to come back and be reinstated. <laughs> Had that been me, let's, let's be honest. It was disappointing yeah. as well. There is no, yeah, there is no reinstatement. <laughs> right. you know, it's it's over. I mean, as an assistant coach, are you can you even do anything like that without without your head coach? 
Well, honest. you can. Mm-hmm. You know, you can. You know, I was fortunate enough to work for someone who I never really felt like that was something that was being required of me. Like, mm-hmm. I never really felt like, I never went into a living room, never went and watched a kid play and felt like I had to do something mm-hmm. that was going to be not above board. And that's one thing I, I can definitely respect about Coach Anson. Never really felt that kind of pressure to do that. Now, some people would say, well, maybe he should have been or he would have still been in Arkansas, whatever the case may be. But, I mean, he's a man of integrity. I respect that. Mm-hmm. But I think that just on the college game, allowing these coaches to go out, recruit, you know, it's a lot of pressure on some of these guys to keep their job or if you, who are you signing, who would you bring in. If you don't bring in a guy that's performing at a high level, you got to go out and get another one or you, you're you not going to be here. I just think um, it's just so many different scenarios that are played out with various staffs. But, I mean, let's be honest, people have been cheating for years. <laughs> you know, I remember when I was young, and this is not basketball related, but I remember I was young watching college football and Oklahoma was playing and Jamel Holloway, who was a Ooh, bad boy, right. he was a, broke his leg like the game before. He was on the sideline in a mean coat. <laughs> <laughs> right. That, good old on, 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 on CBS. <laughs> and I'm like, dude got on a mean coat. <laughs> you know, so, and nobody said anything. Right. You know, so, you know, now with the social media and Everybody's telling everybody where they are, what they're doing, and how much money they make, and all that kind of stuff. I just think that the, the rules of engagement has just changed tremendously. No, my last question for you: Arkansas history, you know, it's extensive. You know, Eddie Sutton, right. coach there, Nolan right. Richardson, et cetera, et cetera. Who's your your top your five? You started five Arkansas. Oh, I knew you were players. Yeah, <laughs> I, I knew that was coming. Yeah, and and you know what? You would be included, but I'm gonna not, take myself out exactly, right. just for this. That just makes it a little bit easier. <laughs> <laughs> now you get five. <laughs> uh, I gotta go with Corliss Williamson. Of course, at the four. Uh, Lee Mayberry at the point. Yes, indeed, Um uh, Going Sidney Moncrief at the three. Ooh. Hall of Famer. Yeah, got inducted this yep. year. Yes. I'll slide Todd Day over to the two. Okay. And then at the five spot, got to go with the big O, Oliver Miller. Mm. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Wow. And who would the coach be? Oh, uh, Nolan Ritz. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was Eddie Sutton. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, this has been great, man. Our guest has been the great Scotty Thurman. But we, let, we keep it before we let you go. So what's the plan? What's the plan? Moving forward, uh, you know, you, you're here in New York, scouting around, watching, looking at our beautiful city with your wife and daughter. What's what's the what's the vision for the next the next horizon? Uh, well, I've got a couple of opportunities that I'm kind of exploring. Um, some of it's coaching, some of it's not. Um, just really trying to be selective. Uh, been very fortunate enough to where I can be, mm-hmm. and uh, really just trying to enjoy. Some time with my daughter and my wife, time that I hadn't been able to get the last probably 12, 13 years, Mm -hmm. and just going to try to see what that next opportunity brings. I'm not really in a rush to make a decision, uh, but I want the next decision to be the right one and to be a right fit, not only for me, but, you know, for them too. I don't want to put them in a situation where they're inconvenienced. Y'all, y'all want them to hurry up and get a job? That's, the, uh, <laughs> that's, that's what, uh, during, at, you remember at Mike Anderson's that's what Mike press Anderson conference? Said. He said, after a while, his wife was saying, hey, we <laughs> 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 It was after we got, a couple of weeks. Yeah, we kind of got a couple into a weeks. routine. Yeah. Yeah, you know, like, I stir crazy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. But thanks, Scott. Thanks so much, man. Oh, man. Thank you guys yeah, for having me. This was fun. Yeah, I appreciate it. Indeed. I appreciate it. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day 
free trial at www.audibletrial.com backslash Bill Roden on sports. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Again, that's www.audibletrial.com backslash Bill Roden on sports. Check it out. But, you know, this is Aaron Matthewson, the great. We, don't, we have not named this segment yet. Oh, oh yes, yeah. we have. Yes, we have. Yes, we have. Come on, Bill. Uh, maybe, I should come, maybe I should come to my own podcast more. <laughs> we named that five weeks ago. <laughs> Go ahead, Aaron. Shoot. Hi, guys. Good to be here. Hello, Aaron. Scotty, thanks for being here. Oh, thanks for having me. So this is Trip and Check, where I bring up a couple issues, and I ask everybody if they think what, you know, the entity is tripping or not. Okay. So that's it. So um, I'm going to start with O.J. Simpson. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Trip. <laughs> he tripping. Um, did you did you guys hear that he has a Twitter account? Yes, which is actually suspended. Supposedly. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I clicked. I clicked on it. The real OJ's. I just clicked. It's oh, a, it's, it's cool. It's, it's cool. It's back. Okay. It's right. a must follow. I'm sorry. <laughs> I hate to say it. Yeah, and he had a fake. Somebody set up a dummy account. Oh, that's what probably mini was dummy accounts. Oh, okay. Yes. So okay. how do you how do you know the real account? So that's a whole other thing. Um, <laughs> they. Uh, Twitter has not given him the blue verification, but at it's at the real OJ32 is no, what that was the calling. one. That was the one that was suspended. Yeah. I, I well, I just oh, is, okay. So they so so they probably had to check on some things. There are tons of of uh, wow, parody wow. accounts. Um, yeah, so it's crazy. So we're, we're gonna we're getting to that. So he has an account. Um, I don't know if that's a good idea. And he apparently sent some menacing messages to a parody account called at Killer OJ Simpson, which has a picture of a, a doctored, a doctored picture of OJ with a knife and the glove where, you know, oh. if, it, if it doesn't fit, you must acquit. Yeah. So um, I guess OJ sent some messages uh, with a, it was like a, a bunch of knife emojis to this guy. And then the guy. <laughs> right. Oh my goodness. Wow. So I. My question is, okay, is OJ tripping? So you just get off Twitter and just, or is he just, you know? Wow. Do we just, does this you something? Would think, you would th- yeah, I'd say, I'd say he's tripping. I, you, you would think that he should just check out, right? You would just think <laughs> just that. Lay low. Just, just no lay low. No knives. No knives. I mean, you yeah, know. no knives. I mean, sending knives back. That's what he did? Yeah. Just knife, uh, like 16 knife emojis. Isn't that how he six- got in trouble the second time? Yeah, that, that's how he ended up in jail. That's how, that's how he right. ended up in jail. So because revenge, like to to retaliate on something, yeah, but not the right way, obviously. <laughs> so well, he's definitely tripping. Yeah. <laughs> Some of his other tweets have been about um, he definitely declared that Chloe uh, Kardashian is not his daughter. In case anybody was concerned, <laughs> <laughs> I for one d- thought it was a possibility. So it was. I never bought that. You never but, um, nah. I mean, she she looks less black than the other ones. Than, than she her definitely sister. is somebody else's dad. Is not, <laughs> I think. Okay. All right. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. All right. <laughs> I'm about to get on his Twitter page right now. Check it out. I, I'm not going to follow. I'll just see what's, yeah. what's yeah. going on. He, he he also tweeted, "I have some getting even to do." Oh no! Like what? Oh, why no. are you tweeting this? What, like how? Like what? How are you supposed to take that? I got some getting even to do. With who? Yeah, anyway. So, okay, OJ, maybe you should lay off. Um, second thing, um, earlier this week, LeVar Ball, our favorite basketball dad, uh, went on first take 
and had an interesting exchange with Molly Karam. I say interesting because I think it's controversial. Um, ESPN is said ESPN has said it's inappropriate. He uh, he came on the show to talk about um, his son Lonzo Ball, who's getting traded to the Pelicans. Um, and when Molly Karam tried to move the discussion along, she said, "Can we switch gears?" And he said, "I'll switch gears with you anytime." And Molly reacts. She looks taken aback. And um, ESPN has now responded that he will no longer be uh, used as a guest on the platform. Is now the debate is he says. He just meant, I'll change subjects with you anytime. He said it was not sexual at all. Molly didn't feel that way. Um, Jamel Hill even tweeted, like, it's, it was time for them to ban LeVar. Mm. What do you guys think? Was it too far? Do you... Hmm. Is that... Um, hmm. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know. Jamal, what do you, what do you, what do you think? Uh, well... I'll switch... Was she... Is she I was gonna say something. She yeah, fine. I mean, I was. I, I, yeah, She's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. beautiful. Yeah. So he. She's married to Jalen Rose. Yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah. Married to Jalen Rose. Yeah. 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 Molly Quirm uh, Rose. Yeah. She has the hyphen. Yeah. Oh, she's mm-hmm. hyphen. Yeah. She. Okay. Yeah. So if if we're at this table and let's say you say, All right, can we switch gears?" <laughs> and then somebody says, "Yeah, I'll switch gears with you," or uh, is it how you say it? Well, or who you say it to. That's the thing about sexual harassment. It's not about, it's not so much what you intended, it's what how the person I'll, took it. I'm sorry, so can, you, can you be responsible for how somebody takes something? Um, I don't know if you're responsible, but if it hap- if they take it a kind of way, that is a problem. So if you say boy, you know, if you're a white person and you say something, man, boy, something, and I say, man, that's inappropriate. Don't call me boy. And he said, I wasn't saying boy, I was just saying boy, oh boy. <laughs> I I'm mean, sorry, <laughs> no, but it wouldn't matter. I mean, if you took it, if, I think we would. Ha- it would be a concern if you took it a certain way. The, the guest or whoever would have to. But I noticed. I noticed. I saw it live, and I noticed. I could see in Lavar's face that, yeah, he he was like, oh. But then and then he, he, he and, 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 and yeah, he realized you could see it, you know. And right. then he was like, oh, okay, you know. And right. then what did Jalen? What did Jalen Rose say? Well, Stephen well, A. said, "Good Lord." Like no, well, Jalen supposed no supposedly Molly Quirum no Molly Quirum uh, said that that Jalen wants him to apologize. Now this is something I got a problem with. Like I think that should be between the communication between Jalen and Lavar should be held privately. Privately, I don't think Molly should have shouted that out personally. You know, but you like, know what? So that's that, the problem. Where know, that's the only thing I disagree. Obvious, but obviously but, it wasn't but, appropriate what Lavar said. Yeah, so, I mean, let, let's, how he said. Let, let's be clear. I guess. I guess you should know in 2019 that if it's borderline, but that's why, but see, that's why they have the ball on the show. Right. They have him on the show specifically because he's going to say something outrageous. Right. And now, you know what I'm saying? And that's, that's the environment we're in. Mm. Trust me, if we all, if we want to really go to another level, if we, if, if I had no shame, right. We get to know, we had a conversation last week about something that I, I, thought we should have edited it out. Right. But, you know, we could have just said, no, let's just go for it. Let's just be as ridiculous as we can. So they invite Ball on the show because they know that it's just, he's going to say something bizarre. Yeah, that's one of the, that's one of the issues, issues I have because people have been saying for months and maybe a year or so they should have banned him for other stuff just because just because what he's, you know, he's just yapping. But the saying, ratings were so, they, they right. probably got good ratings. So now all of a sudden he says this and I, it was there was no question it was inappropriate. Now there, I guess there are levels 
of inappropriateness. Right, because right. I was even talking to my wife about it this morning, and she was like, ah, it's, it's not that, you know, it's not that big a deal. I mean, come on. And I was like, well, you know, maybe in that in that context, but, you know, she works at, at, at uh, Morgan Stanley. I was like, but if you were at a, at a, at a meeting at Morgan Stanley, and you're bringing, you know, you bring something up and say, let's let's uh, switch gears. And your boss says, I'll switch, I'll switch gears. gears with you. You're out. You're done. It's a, yeah, it's a wrap. So I mean, it, but you had know. he said that? What about had he said? Had a guy said he said to a guy? Do you think they would have been the same? No. Well, maybe. <laughs> yeah, it'd be the same. I mean, if he said it like if he said it the same way. Mm. Well. I, I, if you if you said that to me, I'd be taking it back. You probably <laughs> 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 Like, what? You gotta reach. <laughs> Scotty, what do you think? <laughs> I think LeVar is always tripping. Right. Uh, you know, I'm, I agree with, with, with Mr. Roden, though. That's kind of why he's always on the show to be controversial. Um, I also agree with you when you state that, you know, Jalen Rose and, and LeVar's conversation should be between those two guys. Because, I mean, if that was my wife, she wouldn't have to summon me to say something to LeVar. I'm going to catch LeVar. I'm like, look, I would appreciate if you don't. Now remember, Absolutely. remember when Kevin Durant, uh, Kevin um, Garnett, said something about Carmelo Anthony's wife. Remember uh, on the court. Yeah. Oh right, remember? right, right, right. And 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 and, and uh, uh, after the game in the bus, I mean Carmelo went to the team bus, you know, and confronted Garnett. Um, I don't know why I said that. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't know, but, I don't know how relevant. But maybe that could have been private. Like uh, maybe Carmelo could have contacted right. him or called him like in the offseason right. and said, I want to speak to you. Right. But it's all private instead. Right. But but the anger too. Yeah. Right? I can understand yeah. that too. Yeah, as well, emotions you know? get the best yeah, of that's, that's for sure. Yeah. That's, <laughs> so let's Okay. What's Should your next? Should we switch gears? Yeah, let's switch gears. <laughs> and I will not switch gears. I will not switch gears with you at any, at, 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 at any. I don't care what. Gear, I will never switch gears. So, okay. J- just to close this out. <laughs> what, how, what about what about how he said that? No, I will never switch gears. <laughs> it was it was the way he said it. That was that was what it was. Yeah. Um, okay. right, I think. But I will. But I want to say I don't know that I think ESPN should have banned Levar. Right. I definitely think he should have been like they should have approached him and said that was inappropriate because you could see Molly looked uncomfortable. We'll I think have, that's we'll have, what, we'll have him on our show. Well, yeah, I think you do, they need to address that. And then I think I really like that ESPN supported her, and it, I feel like and you can't look at this without context. Like it, you know, people are watching how people treat women. That's um, true. So. Yeah. That's true. Guests need so to know you, that. What did you think? What did you think? Um, I thought it was. I thought it definitely. Said, I could see how she would take it that way. I can also, you know, he. It's. We've talked about this before, where the words. It's not the words. It's how you said it. Mm-hmm. So many people. Donald, our president, forty-five, has said things that people interpreted a certain way, um, even though the words were not. In, in them themselves. Interpreted. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that's, those are the arguments. You letting him off the hook? No, I'm not. <laughs> but I mean, it's, how, it's how you say I'm it. Try to get him on the show. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> <Kibate> reached out. <laughs> oh, uh, by the way, before we let everybody go, Nabate, you were saying something. You always reference your musicianship because mm-hmm. you are an outstanding musician. So, but you were saying you wanted Jamal to edit something out. Mm-hmm. And I was saying, well, but when you do live performances, you know, every every solo you take is not perfect, right? I mean, during during the course of a solo, right. 
You may, but you'll go on, right? You yeah. just, you just, the next chorus will well, be a, better than the last. Well, it's a different chorus. situation, you know. With music, you know, if you make a mistake, it's a good. It's sometimes a good thing when you're improvising. But in this situation, I sounded like a complete ass, so I, I have, I like to take that out. If, if it was live, <laughs> if it was live radio, if it was live you're, radio, you're very hard yeah. on yourself. <laughs> <laughs> if it was live radio, I gotta deal with it, you know. You could but, tell the you difference. Know. <laughs> 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 uh, Aaron, thank you very much for uh, tripping and checking. <laughs> check, check, My pleasure. Checks and trips. <laughs> Scotty Thurman, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you, uh, My co-host, the great Jamal Murphy. Thank you. Devontae Adams. <laughs> thank you very much. Right. Uh, Regina, Romani, thank you guys for putting up with this. <laughs> and uh, we'll see everybody next week. God bless. <laughs> listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.